0: And the text that does call for our attention this Lord's Day is our reading from Isaiah chapter 12, where it says this, Give thanks to him, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we've been using that service that our hymnal calls the service of prayer and preaching. And that means that just a few moments moments ago, we sang that thing it calls the Old Testament canticle. To the delight of some and to the terror of others, we've used that same service throughout our midweek Lenten services this year. And that means that we've sung that canticle each time that we've met. Now, those of you that have been here know that this piece of music still at some time seems a little unfamiliar, even though we've sang it now for three years every Wednesday in Lent. So therefore, sometimes we struggle to sing it so well. But I hope that even those who have struggled to sing it have stopped to recognize how beautiful the words are that it contains. There is that refrain that runs throughout that says this, The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. It's a rather perfect refrain for the season of Lent when we're speaking about God becoming our salvation. And as I'm sure you perhaps noted, that canticle that we sang was actually just the very words of Isaiah 12 that we read. Reading them one right after another, I'm sure you heard that in your ears We must remember that the book of Isaiah largely is a book that is filled with warnings. It largely talks about how the people of God would soon be taken out of the promised land. They would be removed by the Babylonians and they would be scattered here and there. But the good news that is proclaimed in this same book is that the people of God would not be completely destroyed because of this Babylonian captivity. No, Isaiah contends, or rather I should say God contends through Isaiah, that there would be a remnant of God's people that would remain. Yes, there would be part of God's people who would continue to hold fast to the promises that God had made to those people. They would hold fast to those promises even during that period of time where it seemed like the fulfillment of those promises had all been taken away from them due to their rebellion. After all their land, it was gone. That great name that had been built for Abraham now seemed to be dragged through the mud and rather than being a blessing to all nations, well now the nations would be dragging them right out of their homes, but God had promised that a remnant would remain and that they would believe in God and his promises. They would believe that God would still give these promises even though they knew they did not deserve them. As Isaiah said that that remnant, they would be returned to the promised land, and indeed he did just that. He brought his people back to the promised land 70 years after they had been cast out. But the real deliverance was still to come. To that remnant, God had been their strength and their shield. He had been doing the things necessary to protect them, and he had been the strength that they needed to continue persevering in faith, even in this period that was so fraught with difficulties that had led so many to doubt or to disbelieve. He had been their strength and their shield, but now he would become their salvation. The people of God throughout their history so often have no choice but to admit that they need salvation, although no one really likes admitting it. But when the people of God were in Egypt, they had no choice but to admit that they needed salvation from the oppression of Pharaoh. Later, when they were dragged out of the promised land by the Babylonians, they had no choice but to admit that they needed salvation because of their own faithlessness towards God. The looming question was never, do we need salvation? The question was, would it be delivered? And that's where the awesome news in our Old Testament reading for today comes in. Because there, God promises He would become their salvation. No, he wouldn't just work it out. He wouldn't just plan it. He would be it. He would become their salvation. Yes, God would take, take on human flesh. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would live in Nazareth. He would travel throughout the towns of Galilee. He would be baptized later on he would teach, he would heal, and finally he would be betrayed. He would be mistreated. He would die. And why? Well, to become our salvation. If you've been here the last couple weeks, you know that our texts have been rather heavy with the thought of what sinners deserve for their sins. But today our texts take us in the complete opposite direction. They remind us that God will not allow us simply to remain enslaved to sin. He will not leave us just to suffer and die in sin. No, he became our salvation. You see, you are the prodigal son in the parable that Jesus told in our gospel lesson. You, in many and various ways, have at times run off with all sorts of grand ideas about what you could accomplish if you could just leave behind your father's ways. But when you do that, you soon find yourself empty and alone. And in those moments, there's no doubt you need salvation. The only question is whether you would receive it or not. Would God welcome you back? Well, thanks be to God. He has become our salvation. Just like that father in the story of the prodigal son took off running to meet his son who had been lost, well, the Son of God came running down from heaven in order that he might find us who were lost, that he might find us, that he might save us. He wishes to offer to us forgiveness and life lived out in his house. He wishes to welcome us to a feast Yes, the anger of God that rightly burns against us when we sin, that anger has been turned away. The anger that God rightly feels from the first moment sin entered into the world to the last sin that has been done in time, that anger will be turned away from us. But it could only be turned away from us because God let that just anger burn against his son instead. When Jesus died upon the cross, God turned away his anger from humanity. And he turned towards us and he became our salvation. So what are you to do? Well, as that canticle says, you simply get to draw water. From the wells of salvation. For God loves to give his salvation out time and time again. It was poured over you at the baptismal font. It continues to be poured upon you every time you hear the pastor tell you that your sins have been forgiven in Christ's name. It splashed upon you every time a word of the Lord or a sermon reminds you of how good God is and that he is gracious towards you. It's lavished upon you every time you come to the altar to receive the Lord's body and blood. God became your salvation. And because he did, that salvation is served to you time and time again. And again, what should you do when he does that? What should you do when you realize that you, the prodigal son, have returned home to find a feast of salvation, being prepared to be served to you? Well, you should sing. You should sing, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted. Yes, you should sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously, precisely by becoming your salvation. Children of God, God has become your salvation. He ran right into your midst. He has come there in order that he might save you. Therefore, shout and sing for joy. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. God himself has come right where you are to save you. And that means you can leave here and go out and tell everyone how good our God is. Tell them. That though they think they might have run as far away from God as they think they can get, that God still wants to be their salvation. He'll forgive whatever it is that caused them to end up in such bondage, in such need of salvation. He just wants them to have it. He wants to give them the salvation that he has earned for them through Jesus. And he wants it so much that he's not just going to sit around and wait until all those people break their own bondage to sin. But instead, he comes running at people, using feet like ours and mouths like ours, in order to tell them that the salvation they need is available, is fully free, and is offered to all. Yes, the Lord God. He is your strength and your song, and he has become your salvation. In Jesus, on the cross, at the tomb, at the font, from the pulpit, from the altar, he has become your salvation. Rejoice and sing for joy. Amen.